You are listening to a sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, the historic church of Robert Murray McShane. For more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk. Song, Psalm 65, and we're going to look at it just for a short time this evening. Psalm of David, a song, um, very different from the songs that have gone before. It is really uh, a psalm that you would, you should uh, certainly sing at a, a harvest thanksgiving. Let me read just the beginning. Praise awaits you, our God in Zion. To you, our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you, all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. <coughs> we are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. I'll stop there just now and uh, look at these verses before we go on. Um, it's very interesting. Praise awaits you. It, it, it could also be translated the idea of praise is stillness. Now, when we think of praise, we think often of noise and that's rightly so. You can, uh, you go to one of the Psalms and it talks about praising God with drums and with organs and with stringed instruments and with great choirs and so on. But there are, there's a praise that also comes with silence. When you just stop and, and everything that's crowding in upon you, all the things that would distract you, that they're gone and you're enabled to think of God. Um, it's interesting that we live in a world, you know, I'm as guilty of this as anybody else. You've got your, your smartphone and, I mean, how long can you go without checking it, playing a game, checking your texts? I'm not doing that just now, by the way. Uh, <laughs> looking at your tweets, though someone did once uh, text me during a sermon to ask a question and I did have it on and I got the question, I did answer it, but that's not normally normal practice. But... We, we get very easily distracted, don't we, by so many things going on around us. And here he's just simply saying, well, praise awaits you in silence, our God in Zion. The idea is of coming to God in prayer, knowing that God actually hears and answers prayer, which is a, tre- a tremendous confidence that we can have. You who answer prayer, to you all people will come. This first section, this, the psalm is divided into three sections. And the first section, and I do just want to take this very simply before we take the communion, speaks about the God of the temple, the God of the place where his people gather to worship. And it mentions in particular some blessings that are received. This building, we know, is not... The temple of God. The temple of God is the people of God. But yet, I, I wouldn't be so quick to disparage the uh, memories that we can have associated with a particular place. You will often find that. For example, let's say you got engaged, and uh, the place where you got engaged, you remember that place. It's kind of special to you. Uh, for me, uh, being in Edinburgh in the past week and seeing places where I I went to university or uh, participating in things. Seeing that 
the places can have special uh, effects upon you and feelings for you. And I think for me, actually, this building, I know it's not the church of God. I know it's, it's a building and the people are, are the church. And yet, um, coming into this building has many special memories for uh, many people. One time, uh, many years ago, uh, before I think most of the young children here were born, I heard some of our kids talking and saying, are you going to go up to the balcony? No, you're not allowed up in the balcony. Why are you not allowed up in the balcony? That's where God lives. <laughs> so I didn't, want to, I didn't want them to go to the balcony, so I didn't correct them. <laughs> you know, the house where God dwells, the God of the temple, it's where God is present with his people. Now, as I say, I know it's not the building, but this is where we gather together to worship God. And I, and I think that sometimes there can be a special unction and a special awareness uh, of the, the Holy Spirit. And the things that he mentions here, I think the greatest gift, verse 3, when we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. That's an extraordinary expression. It's not when we were conscious of our sin. It's not when we sinned, but it's when we were overwhelmed by sins. I, I don't know if you've ever had that experience. It is, a, it is, it is an incredible experience. It is a sense of guilt. It is a sense of being undone. It's a sense of worthlessness. It's a sense of vileness. It's a sense of just dirt. It's, it's a sense of blackness, the deepest discouragement, the deepest depression, just feeling, who am I? I am nobody. I am nothing. In fact, I'm worse than that. I'm a rebel. I'm a sinner against God. What have I done? Just being overwhelmed. And when that happened, the psalmist says this, when we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. It's as though you're, you've got an invite for royalty. Oh, I have to tell you this. We got invited to Holyrood Palace. Now, it's a kind of posh place, believe you me. It's kind of posh. And there's like footmen at the doors and security guards and you, you go in and so on. And um, I misread the invitation because it said black tie. So we went out and bought a black tie with a brown suit. Uh, didn't quite realize that it meant, you know, black dicky bow and coat and tails and all that kind of stuff. So we were... Not me, Annabelle was very gracious. She could have been lady so-and-so. In fact, she was lady so-and-so. But me, I was, um, I could have been the gardener. And I think some people thought I probably was. Uh, because all the, all the kind of um, clergy people, there was kind of lords and ladies and so on. And all the clergy people were in gowns and frocks and big crucifixes and pink things and so on. And I was standing there basically in a brown suit, which I thought was quite smart, but with a black tie. And people come up and say, you know, and who are you and what do you do? And I told them I was moderator of the Free Church. And uh, that was great. Um, just led to some very interesting uh, conversations. But imagine you turned up at Holyrood Palace. And basically, I turned up like you did for the first night. You know? <laughs> or if I turned up in, in shorts and a t-shirt and said, right, I'm, I'm here for the Queen's do. Well, am I going to get in? No, I'm not going to get in. 
But imagine if I'd turned up even worse than that. Imagine if I'd turned up all battered and, and, and you know, dirty and, and just absolutely filthy. Do you think I'm going to get past? I'm not going to. You're not coming in here, son. No way. And yet, this picture that's given here in this psalm is of somebody who, if you like, turns to go into the house of God and turns up completely unsuitable for the occasion, completely unworthy to come in, and the Lord invites them in. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are invited in. God has chosen us and called us in. And he's given us the good things of his house. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. Once you go past the guards and you did all that kind of bit, you sat down at this table. Honestly, it's the biggest table I've ever sat at. 80 guests and all the kind of like fancy cutlery and, and numerous glasses and people serving you and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was absolutely uh, delicious food. It was really, really nice. The good things. There's a picture, I think, here of God saying to us, when we feel that we are most unworthy and we are so conscious of our sin that we are overwhelmed by it, God says to us, come in. I want you to come in to my presence. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. You know, sometimes there are people who, how will I put it? They have a cocky and irreverent and glib and flippant and arrogant attitude towards God, which kind of says, yeah, I'll I'll put my hands on my paw. I'll just wander in. God's going to accept me. Why not? But I think we only really come into the presence of God when we are conscious that we don't deserve to be there, but we are only there because he invites us and because he chooses us. We are not there on our own merit. We are not there remotely as equals. We are there as gracious guests, or as guests rather graciously invited. We're filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. What a contrast between feeling really miserable and feeling and being filled with the good things of God's house. Then verse 5, you answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. God is the God of the temple, but God is also the God of the whole world. The hope of all the ends of the earth. And I think, again, that is hugely important for us to remember because we can become very parochial, we can become very small-minded, we can become very inward-looking. And we need to look and realize that God is the hope of the ends of the earth. And that works beautifully in so many ways. It works the fact that uh, there's a student at Edinburgh Theological Seminary from Nepal and the trouble that's been going on in Nepal. God is the hope of Nepal. We have family, Christian family from Greece in our own congregation. God is the hope of Greece or America or Australia. We have friends visiting from Canada this evening, from Africa. We had fellowship this afternoon. With, we had Alberto preaching here this morning. Uh, Brazilians. Isn't it wonderful 
how the gospel has gone to the ends of the earth and it continues to go. You are the hope of the ends of the earth. You are the God of might. He uses two pictures here. One is of a mountain. Now mountains can either, can either be used as a, as a picture of trust, as solid as a mountain, or it can be used as an image of terror, that the mountains are, are overwhelming us again. And here, the psalmist is using it, I, I think, in this way, to simply say, neither trust nor terror. It's God who is in charge of the mountains, who formed the mountains by his power. And the other images he uses is the roaring of the waves. And here in particular, he's talking about the image of humanity, the nations being in turmoil and all that's going on. We, we often will we'll talk about waves of people, waves of refugees coming from Africa into Italy, uh, waves of soldiers advancing in the Middle East. Uh, and it's just talking about the, the activities that are going on amongst human beings. And all you have to do is go and read a newspaper or um, sometimes just look on the internet and you'll see human beings doing and saying and being things which cause so much distress. And God says, no, I, I'm in charge of the waves and the sea of humanity is subject to its master. The whole earth is filled with awe at God's wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. And that brings us to the third aspect. The first is God is the God of the temple. The second is God of, is the hope of all the ends of the earth. He's the God of the whole world. And the third is, from verse 9, you care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with corn, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The gracelands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with corn. They shout for joy and sing. Um, I don't know if any of the children have ever had this experience of going to the fridge looking for something to eat and the fridge is bare. You're thinking, Why? How, come that's, how come my sweets aren't there? How come there's not food to eat? Because it's the end of the week or even the end of the month and things have run down and your mom or your dad hasn't gone and done the shop. So they're off, they've gone off to the supermarket. And then when they come back, they've just done a mega shop, you know, like a, for the month. And you go back and doorbell rings. Come on out, help us take the stuff in. And you go in the car and like the car boot's filled with bags. And the back seats are filled with bags. And there's so many things in there, things that you love and things you like. It's just overflowing. Well, that's kind of the modern image of what's being said in the psalm because the psalm is just talking about how God is like the farmer who's taking his cart. The old version said chariot, but it really is. A, the NIV is right here. It is, a, it is a more of a farm cart that after the harvest is just filled to overflowing. God is the God of plenty, the God of the harvest. He's the God of the temple in which we are we receive the blessings of forgiveness. He's the God of the whole world. But he's also the God of plenty. Sometimes we feel like we're just hanging on. Sometimes we feel as though we're overwhelmed by our sins. Sometimes we're in despair at the state of the world. 
And God's answer to that is not only that I will deal with this, but that I am the God of plenty. Now, we see that in different ways. Here, literally, we see it, of course, uh, as Paul says to Timothy, that he is the God who gives us all things richly to enjoy. It's the time of year where some of us at least go into the garden, or should go into the garden, and uh, everything's growing, and it's growing so quickly. And there's an abundance. Do you not think we live in such an incredible world? One of the advantages of growing up on a farm is this. It's just to see every year the seed gets sown and every July and August you go out and you just harvest and you harvest. And it's one of the most incredible feelings in the world to stand in a big dryer or a barn and just to stand on the corn and just to lift the corn and to smell the corn. I love that smell of corn. And just to think, this, this, came, this happens every year. The earth is incredibly bountiful. Even here, he, he talks about the grasslands of the wilderness overflowing. He's talking about, yes, there's, there's parts that are cultivated, but there are parts that are, are, are just wild, and yet they also overflow. And that's just a, a foretaste of what is to come. Now, I don't want to spiritualize this. I think, it is, I think we need to recognize that we, re, we receive so much from God. And I hope if you go home, um, Sunday night for me, and again, I'm particularly glad to see so many children here this evening, but Sunday evening for church, I used to prefer Sunday evening uh, at church with my own parents, uh, sadly not because of the church, but because they, they didn't bribe us. But I always knew that on a Sunday night, driving back from Dingwall in Easter Ross, back to Fern, where I lived, which is about 30 miles, my parents would always stop at the chipper in Ulness, and I'd, we'd get a sausage supper. You know? And that's what I always associated Sunday evenings with. So, you know, maybe it wasn't very Sabbatarian, but it was, it was... I always looked forward to Sunday evenings. I enjoyed the Sunday evening so much better. And some of us, you'll go home after church this evening. We, we have... Uh, communion together and so on and you'll have snacks or you'll have something please remember to give thanks to God for them God gives us all things richly to enjoy and that's what the psalmist is saying he's saying for somebody who's overwhelmed by their sins somebody who's overwhelmed by the nations by what's going on politically what by what's going on in society he's saying remember that God is the God of the temple who forgives God is the God of the whole world and God is the God of plenty. He is the God of the harvest. I think there is a reason that the Bible continually points to heaven being like a feast and the great creation feast, the great uh, marriage feast of the Lamb of Jesus in heaven. I think sometimes we get this completely wrong. Sometimes we enjoy something enormously. We, we take great pleasure from it. We delight in it. It is a good thing. It causes us to thank God. And then we are scared. We say, oh, Lord, you're going to take this away from us. You're going to take this away from us. And in actual fact, what God is saying is there's an abundance. There's far, far more than you can imagine. And what you taste in this life is only a taste. I'm reading um, John Flavel just now, and I love, love, love John Flavel. But when I saw how long this particular 
section in one of his books was it was 150 pages and it was on the soul and the body and death and I thought can I really cope with this can I really cope with this level of analysis and so I thought I'll just read it 10 pages at a time and see how I get on and I'm absolutely loving it I'm loving the depth in which he goes and one of the things that I hadn't that this obviously makes sense but I hadn't really grasped was the past 10 pages that I read this morning he's talking about how actually we are limited in our enjoyment because of our bodies just now because our bodies are limited because there is pain because you see something you like it you eat too much of it you gluttony and all the rest of it and he says he's saying that our souls are freed from our bodies in heaven but will be reunited with a perfect body where we will eat without gluttony we will drink without drunkenness if you like we will we will be able to share and to have such fellowship that in this life, even the sweetest fellowship we have is only just a, a, a foretaste of that. I think when we sit at the Lord's table, we need to remember that. God is the God of plenty. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. One of the names for God is, of course, Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, God my provider the lord my provider so as we um, prepare to take communion please think about that think about what this psalm tells us that god forgives god is the hope of the whole earth and god provides richly that we may enjoy and thank the lord that we worship an abundant overflowing god not a, a, a stingy narrow God who seeks to withhold things from us, but a God who seeks to bless us. And our greatest blessing is not in indulging our own appetites, but in knowing him that we may serve and love and enjoy him forever. May God bless his word to us. We're going to sing the, that second part of that, Sam. Uh, the tune it will be Salzburg. Those who inhabit distant lands with all regard your ways. Where morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of praise. And again, Stephen will lead us and we'll stand to sing. Thank you for listening to this sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee. If you found this sermon has been helpful to you, please help us to continue building up and assisting the people of God. Visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, please visit the website of SOLAS, the Centre for Public Christianity, at solas-cpc.org. Once again, that website address is solas-cpc.org. Thanks for listening.